0: hello Stephen dan fouts here we're veteran educators who've created the teach different conversation podcast to inspire all of us to think deeper listen with more intention and understand each other better if you're a parent educator or anybody who wants to think in new ways that build real understanding about what's important in life and to help others do the same then you've come to the perfect place welcome everybody to the teach different podcast we have a really great show tonight Um, we have our first repeat guest which is uh, joe schmidt who will be introducing himself uh, shortly and his counterpart uh nichelle pinkney and they're here as co-authors of a really cool book that i'm definitely going to order and it's called civil discourse Classroom Conversations for Stronger Communities. And they'll be maybe talking about this a little bit and, and some of their, their work. Uh, we're happy to have them um, on the show. And obviously, since this is a podcast devoted to conversations, their work is so uh, connected and aligned to, to ours at Teach Different. Well, we're going to work through our method, right? We're going to start with this quote. It's going to be from Wendell Phillips. I'll leave you in suspense a little bit. We'll get to it in a minute and we're going to make it uh, make some claims what is he saying on this quote it's going to be about society and justice and then we're going to push against it we're going to go after the counterclaim and say equally reasonable things that disagree with what Philip we think wendell phillips is saying and that's that critical thinking component as we know and then we're going to end with some questions and we're going to hope that the the guests maybe think of some questions during the conversation that they can share with the the audience um, at the end so with that let's get right to it here is the quote from american abolitionist wendell phillips oh and by the way i, I did a little historical piece on this on this quote it's the first duty of society is justice the first duty of society is justice i looked it up and all the internet sources were saying this is alexander hamilton this is alexander hamilton but it actually isn't this was a speech by phillips and the reason why hamilton it's attributed to Hamilton is that he says, and I'll give the the full quote from a speech he gave in Boston at the eve of the Civil War. He says, Mr. Seward, referring to the Secretary of State, says, quote, the first object of every human society is safety. I think the first duty of society is justice, Wendell Phillips said. And then he goes on to say, Alexander Hamilton said, justice is the end of government. So because Hamilton followed his quote so closely, he gets the attribution, but we're gonna give it to Wendell Phillips. The first duty of society is justice. Uh, Joe, Nichelle, again, welcome. And what do you think here?
1: Dan, Steve, so happy to be back here. I do, before we even get started, the first duty, uh, Dan, you said you can't wait to order the book. Um, I can fill a couple minutes if you want to go order the book right now, because um, I think your first duty in hosting us is to take care of that. So go ahead, um, right. <laughs> everybody. We've got this. Steve, Nichelle, and I. Dan's going to go order the book. Um, I'm going to you know, do States, it, States. by the way. <laughs> um, but it's so funny that you have the history of this. So, Nichelle, I'm going to actually let you take the first crack at this. I'm going to give you a moment to think about it. But it's I, I love how Dan came in and actually did the digging behind this because I think if you're gonna explore a quote, you really actually need to understand where it comes from. And I think that's part of our due diligence for our students and for educators. Um, The book, uh, Civil Discourse, um, Classroom Conversations for Stronger Communities is one of those things that I think everybody knows and thinks that we really need to talk about and do. Um, But it's that next level of work. And what I immediately thought of, Dan, when you started talking about the history behind it is I spend there, we spend some time in the book in chapter two, talking about the quote, a lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is still putting on its shoes. Very commonly attributed to Mark Twain, However, when I went to go properly cite this quote, that's when I learned it's not from Mark Twain. Um, The most common um, attribution to it is for Jonathan Swift, which completely like veered off for, I don't know, a couple, three paragraphs. And the idea of like, hold on a second, like even this quote about a lie for most of us is probably a lie in how we've talked about it. And so I thought that that was such a fascinating piece that if you're going to be using ideas and thinking about ideas, and so I I want to reinforce right off the bat, Dan, you found the quote and you said, we normally think this, but with a little bit of work. And so before I turn it over to my my best friend, my good friend, Nichelle here, my co-author friend, Nichelle The idea that we really need to know where the information comes from. So I'm giving you that little nugget. If you want to learn a little bit more about what the role words play, that words do matter in conversations, I want to thank Dan for making sure that we actually know where the source came from. Um, And it reminded me of uh, how often that quote is misattributed. So. Um, That all being said, I gave Dan a couple minutes to go uh, order the book. I gave Nichelle a couple minutes to uh, think about this through. And I'm going to turn it over to Nichelle.
2: So I have notes. (laughs) And I like Dan because I was like, I've heard this quote before. And then as I kept digging, I was like, oh, I did not know this. I thought it was in Hamilton too. Like when he said it, I was like, I think he misquoted this (laughs) So that's how it started. But I think when um, Phillips actually wrote this quote, um, the first duty of society is justice. I looked at it more like as more or less like a question because of basically what Dan had saw, like the idea that they said safety is it. And then this quote comes into play and then Hamilton. And so I look at Phillips quote and it was at the horizon of a war. And so he's talking about, we're about to fight this war on humanity. Um, when he talked about justice, I even went this far and looked at, well, well, how are we defining justice? What How does Webster's defines justice? Well, Webster's defines justice, and I'm going to read it exactly. It um, is a concept of ethics and law that means that people behave in a way that is fair, equal, and balanced for everyone. And so when I saw that, I thought about when I taught my students, when I taught AP government and when I taught US history, what would my students have said? They would have asked me, what do they mean when they say what is fair? Who determines where balance comes in? Who attributes what is actually equal? Like They would have torn apart each one of those words because they wanted to know, and I wanted to know even more. He said this in 1861. So when he said this, he's talking about all those things. Is it fair? Is it just? Is it balanced? And who gets to determine that? Um, And at that time, the audience that determined that was not the people that they were fighting, um, the humanity that we were about to fight a war over, it was about, is this a just practice? And I use that because he was an abolitionist um, and he was a spokesman for women's rights after the Civil War as well. So when I hear this quote and I think about the things that we're doing, I think, about how do we define words and how do we look at concepts so that people can understand what they mean in the long
1: run. So if he's making the claim, right? So I'll go back to being on task now after I got off task for a moment. (laughs) What is the claim that the court is making? That justice is a part of society. It's a duty of society. And not only, I think we're like working our way up this it's part of society. It's a duty of society and it's the First, duty of society, which I think sets up, I think there's three different ways to come back and think about this quote, because I think if it fails any of those measurements, then then this is not, a, this quote would not be accurate, at least as it was going in there. So that's what I see as the claim in here is that not only is it a part but it's a duty that we supposed to do. And it's the first one. And I'm wondering, and I'll try to hold back my questions. I'm wondering if that's actually true. And then I
3: well said, Joe, I think that this is going and really making a pretty powerful statement, right? About justice to say that it's the first duty of society. I'll take the, that. I'll take that one right there. Uh, Dan, you had said that, was it Alexander Hamilton who ended up saying that the end of government should be justice? Was justice, that Alex?
0: Okay. Justice is the end of government.
3: So isn't it funny how justice and, or uh, excuse me, uh, Hamilton and Phillips can agree that justice is important, but, but Hamilton, I don't know, you could even argue is maybe a little bit more, um, realistic he's deferring the happiness out into the future phillips is really just saying we shouldn't even have society unless we're working toward justice can i put words in his mouth like like you can't wait on that you can't wait for justice to evolve
1: yeah it has to be does he say that you can't have just, you can't have society without justice? Is that implied in the first, and I'm trying to remember exactly what you said. Um, And there, Steve, when you said you put words into his mouth that you can't have, correct me if I'm paraphrasing you incorrectly, that you can't have a society without justice. I does, does, Is even that what it means? When you say it's the first duty does that mean that you can't have society without it? Can you fail at an attempt and that still be the first duty good good question good question uh, but it
3: should be the it should be thought about, right? It should be like one of the first priorities, i guess you know whether or not you achieve it i guess
0: different different question w- What do you think well, i, I- i think it's interesting the word duty i teach a philosophy elective whenever i see the word duty i think morality and whenever i think morality i think of sort of like a a, an imperative it's something you have to do morally so it's it's interesting to think of society itself as having moral duties a lot of people don't think of governments and societies they think of they think of government and societies doing things that aren't necessarily moral or immoral but they're just functional to, to um, they're they're done so that the society survives um, so i think that the, the whole morality part of this is what has captured me
2: I just, I look at when he made this quote. He didn't make this quote um, when we were forming our government. He made this quote on the horizon of a war that he knew was about to happen, that everyone knew was about to happen because we were all disagreeing on, <laughs> we were disagreeing on policies. I'm not going to be the one. <laughs> we we're disagreeing on policies <clears throat> and to disagree on those polities of humanity. He was I feel like he was telling them. And then when you say what Hamilton says, it almost um, defines and I think I'm about to get (laughs) the idea of that our government was founded on this idea that we weren't going to be fair, equal or balanced, because when you say that. Um, justice, uh, the government, justice ends government, you're telling me it can't be fair, equal and balanced. So then at that point, if it can't be fair, equal or balanced, which is the definition by Webster's, not my personal definition. But if that is what the (laughs) definition of justice is, and that is our duty to be fair, equal and balanced, because it changes it, then when you say it like that. We had a foundation that was already built, that wasn't going to be fair, equal or balanced.
1: So based on the timing, then, if I can do a yes and with Nichelle, is this less the truth, which I won't get into, let's not break down that word, but is this more of an indictment? Is this more of a, how do you call yourselves a a society with, with injustice? And I think if at that point if we can look backwards and say, you know, how dare you or shame or whatever we want to put on that. I'm sorry, I'll go ahead and I'll start rolling into the counterclaim a little bit. Can clearly, I don't think anybody would argue at that point that the United States was not a society. And if we didn't have justice, then is that the first duty? So I think it goes back to almost again, that, that duty of the definition is if you try it and miss, can it still be the first duty? But if you fall short, does that make the quote invalid right off the bat?
3: Really good question. Sorry, Nichelle, go ahead.
2: No, I was just gonna say it reminds me of some um, I always tell my students to compare it to something that they know. So then I think of the I have a dream speech and that idea of this dream. It was a dream. So then when I uh, earlier I made the comment that I felt like it was almost like a uh, when he said this, it was almost like a question. Like like you're saying, Joe, is this a society thing? Because it's not we're not. We're not doing this. This is not our first duty. And especially with how Dan presented it at the beginning. Because when I looked it up, I saw that too. And I was like, oh, this almost looks like they were about to have a, they were having a discussion here. And then it kind of got heated like, oh, no, I disagree with you. Then the next one stands up and says, no, I disagree with you. And so that idea of that, I almost, I would agree that is it a society then if we don't have those components, which um, equals justice. Or compares to justice or turns out into justice.
1: This really has me now thinking and see this is why Nichelle and I are such a good team she went through and did all of the notes did all of her research and I'm just kind of just making up now as I'm going off the top of my head so (laughs) there's our there's our push pull in there. Um, I feel like more times in the past month or two I've and then my entire life I've heard people reference um, the Lincoln Abraham Lincoln quote where he talks about, refers to the Declaration of Independence as the apple of gold and the Constitution as the picture of silver. And that has me in there, right? Like declaration was a, a promise, an attempt, a goal, and the Constitution is more fleshed out. And I think we know like the idea of equality versus the implementation and i'll how about i'll go back to the quote the idea of justice versus the actual implementation of justice and i think that reminds me back to the whole framing i think of what we're setting i think what some of us are kind of swirling around a little bit is can you fail in an attempt Justice, Because I think a lot of people would say like, yeah, we didn't hit all the promises (laughs) laid out in the declaration of independence as, you know, as much as the constitution sets a really good stage, it doesn't hit everything. And so if we go back to the quote, if justice is a real moving target. And I think, you know, it was said numerous times and I know Michelle talked about like, how would you define it? That's what my students would do. That was one of my favorite activities teaching senior sociology every year. Okay, let's define fair. They could never do it, right? Because it's so subjective. And so, maybe if we recognize that justice is subjective, mm-hmm. that the duty is not to nail it, not to hit it out of the park, mm-hmm. but maybe it's just the promise and the recognition of an attempt. And then does that meet the definition? Because then I'll, I'll go back to it, right? See if I'm thinking about, you know, like that idea. So that's the first one that you really want to come back and hit on that. So I'll come back now with the idea is, can it be first, again, on a promise? If we all agree that this is important, but I mean, there's other things we're actually going to do, but we all agree that this is important. Is that still first?
3: But acknowledging that it might <clears throat> take time to, to get there, um, I'm gonna. I got to share this question, and I don't know really how to fit it. But hopefully, you can help me fit it. What do you think about the notion that you can't have justice if you first don't have? Injustice. It, 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 now, Nichelle, I want to hear from you here because the the whole the idea of justice being balanced and fair and just kind of this perfect balance or this perfect like mm-hmm. um, uh, I don't even know what the word balance is good enough. You know, if is there a part of justice that needs its opposite in order to understand? what it could mean. And I'm gonna ask a follow-up question based on your response, but this is something I've always questioned myself.
2: Please, I wanna hear from you. So I taught AP government and I taught AP economics in my first two years. And I'm saying this for a reason, because I had to teach my students when we talked about unemployment versus employed versus underemployed. And my students did not understand why can't 100% of the population be employed? Like, that's just a simple concept. And I was like, but no, it's not a simple concept. So that idea, like you just said, justice and injustice, good, bad, um, um, have, have not. We, our structure is built upon that we have to have that counterbalance. So then that would further um, make sense that, when he said this, the idea was, I don't think he was expecting them to say, yes, we, we're going for justice right now. Fair. Because then when you look at it, it wasn't going to happen. Like, cause you have to have the mentality or, or how we're trained, I guess, or what we see in society is there is always a counter. Like if there's a good person, there's, a bad person if there's um when I watch my Marvel movies there's got to be a protagonist and an antagonist like we have to have both in that scene we can't have everyone be good why what does that look like even um I'll even go in Judeo-Christian beliefs there's a good versus bad there's a this you follow this path versus this path so I think when he said it as a duty it was a striving towards it was something that um I hate to say unattainable because that sounds so horrible, but that's the truth. Like it's it's not going to be attainable because then you would have to recognize, like you said, that there will be injustice. Um, Gandhi has principles of justice where he talks about access, equity, diversity, participation, human rights. When you look at it from that, when I throw that in the ring, plus how I define justice, then you're like, oh, crap, we're nowhere near where we're supposed to be. Um, and so I think it was a, um, I hate to say a utopia, but a utopia of what, let's not fight this. Like we're not going to get there, but we can strive to do better maybe.
1: That was just, that was just applause for Nichelle. Like, I just, I just want to appreciate that moment for just like, we got Gandhi in there. We've got, it's it's really powerful stuff. And I think I'll, I'll insert, I'll insert our little halftime here and maybe we're past halftime. I have no idea. Right. So I think what is really important in this that Nichelle and I have spent so much time in the past year thinking about is there is the potential. I'm just watching where our path is going in this discussion, right? We've, we've brought religion in, we've brought different historical figures in, we've, talked about the idea that maybe justice doesn't happen for everybody. And I think these could be really contentious thoughts and ideas and what, and I'll speak for Nichelle and I, what I think about this process is you have a process. Right, that's what Nichelle and I talk about all the time. Please don't just take a topic and jump in. You, we have a quote that we're working from. Right, we're grounded in something. This is not personal. This is not Nichelle telling me that she thinks my ideas are terrible. We're referencing a central quote. We're doing claims, evidence, reasoning. Right, we're looking for points, counterpoints. We're building on We're building skills. Right, and I think the entire idea of this podcast series—you know—coming back the second time. Is these are transferable. You can plug in whatever quote you want in there, um, and I don't think when I did my last time, I don't think we got into anything that was really contentious. It was fun. I had a blast, but I could see some people looking at like, well, wait a minute, Miss Pinkney says justice isn't for everybody. Like, I'm not okay with that. But I think because we're grounded in these type of this the environment and a skill set that we're working on. Um, I think that's such a great connection. Again, back to the book. Don't want to give it all away. Don't want to steal all the time from the podcast here. But that's something Michelle and I try to lay out, right? Like you don't jump into these things. You practice certain strategies, certain um, environments. You build the community to get to the point. And I'm sure Dan and Steve, you'd kind of have the same thing, right? Like if you look through all your quotes for the year, you wouldn't be like, Ooh, this one are really good kids fired up. Let's do that on day one, right? You think about how do you build across that? And so I think that this is such a great piece. If anybody out there is listening, being like, oh, I don't want to talk about, you know, justice in my classroom or beliefs of, you know, uh, Christianity or whatever in my classroom. Like, but understand that that's not what this is. This is a structured approach to having students do claims, evidence, reasoning, inquiry. We've had a ton of questions. You purposely look for point and counterpoints it's a structure and it's a wonderful, wonderful structure that as educators, you should feel comfortable saying, okay, no, I got this. We can talk about contentious issues framed in this sandbox. So there I'll I'll end my, our million, our halftime. That was our infomercial for our book, uh, civil discourse classroom conversations for stronger community. Uh, Now back to your show.
0: Love it. I, I thought that was great, Joe. You really, you capture the spirit of exactly what we're doing here. So in that spirit, i say we go to some counterclaims here a little bit more directly i think there's different ways to approach a counterclaim to this quote i'm thinking the first duty of society is justice you could say i think you know the first duty of society is protection it it it's not as moral as wendell phillips is making it out to be it's more by necessity that you protect citizens from bodily harm. That's the first thing that society needs to do. Um, Justice might be an important goal, but not the most important. So that's, that's one counterclaim. And again, with counterclaims, even if you don't agree with it, now we've gotta play another side. We've gotta disagree with him and use reasoning so we can work out our thoughts.
1: I taught sociology for a handful of years, whatever it was, three, four years. And we always talked about like the five characteristics of a society. And I mean, justice isn't one of them. I think it might be in there, but we talked about, you know, family structures, government structures, religious structures, sports or entertainment structures, and education structures. And and I think for me, all the counterclaim would be, the first duty of a society is to provide structures. Because if you don't have those structures, you're not a society, I, I don't think, right? I, we've talked about a civilized society is not groups that run around lacking those structures. They have family, they have government, they have these other pieces that bring them together. And then I think maybe as a result of trying to fit diverse people, Into And by diverse, I just mean more than one. You could all be in the same town forever in a small wherever centuries ago. But when you bring diverse people together, I think it's inherent. Maybe the first duty of society is to provide structures that inherently lead to a need for justice. Because they have injustice because... Not everybody, when you have many people. That's my counterclaim that I thought out loud.
3: Interesting. So justice could potentially be an end. It sounds like Alexander Hamilton would be patting you on the back and just saying, Joe, that's kind of what I was saying. You know, you can make a better or a worse society. They can both not be just, but one of them could be trying, you know, and, and could be aligned
1: to it. If I think about some of our oldest societies and laws and structures, right, Hammurabi's Code, would they have defined that as justice? Or does it matter, like, do we say, you know, an eye for an eye, a hand for a hand? Like, I, I think in today's society, there's a lot of people that might say, well, that's not really justice. But that was a justice system for a society. And then are we back to who gets to decide what justice is? So yeah, Steve, I think to go back, I went on a tangent there for a second. I think for me, my counterclaim is that the end result of society is having to strive for justice, but not at the beginning.
3: Yeah, that's it. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. I'm thinking of Thomas Hobbes uh life is nasty brutish and short and the only purpose of society is to stop us from violent death at the hands of our fellow citizens you know like there there are people out there who would argue justice like you know i wish we all wish but really Society is just there to keep us away from each other, some type of social contract so we can live in peace. And if, you know, if it ends up being a really good society where everyone has rights in the same manner, everyone is treated equally and with dignity, and all the other things that I think we expect out of what justice means, if that happens, wonderful, you know, but would it be the first duty? You know, probably not, you know, according to certain people, but they have a pretty dark view of the world. So
2: maybe the first duty could be this is Joel saying I'm the peaceful one here, (laughs) even though I brought up all these questions, but maybe that first duty would be the idea of peace because of the time that they were doing this, not only looking at justice, but peace like that idea of or even coming to um a compromise that our first duty as a society is to accept compromise because at this point if they could have compromised on something would it have even have gone as far would we have even been able to um or their first duty is to recognize um differences and respect those differences um would we have gotten to that point that is most definitely a counter because i think they obviously should have went to war <laughs> but <laughs> For the sake of conversation, what is what about accepting what we've chosen for our backgrounds to be and uh, acknowledging that that's what we decided to do?
0: That's great. I I like that. I -hmm. I, I, I thought of something as you were as you were talking, Michelle. That that might be an interesting. I don't wanna call it a tangent in a conversation, but what we do with this method, this teach different method is we encourage teachers when they bring these quotes to class to encourage storytelling and get the kids to apply these things to their lives. Get it, make it something that is practical. So I, I was thinking that somewhere in this conversation if any of our listeners use this, You might, if the kids are a little overwhelmed, depending on your your age group, you might want to just stop it and just say, look, what is the first duty of this school? Mm -hmm. And you you might actually have a conversation on that that gets its own legs that you could tie in to the wider, you know, justice as in a society. Um, kids might need that in this particular conversation anyway that was a thought in my head i wanted to pass along that little tip for anybody listening to that first duty of a
2: family um. Yeah, the first duty of the community like what like if you start with and we talk about this in the book actually i had a conversation today about this you don't start with something like this like are you crazy? You don't start with this. (laughs) Like you start with little things that allow the students to, like you said, Dan, relate to where they are and what they, um, what they see. And then it progresses to something else. And in the book, we even talk about what does that look like when you give this to them? Because like, I joked about it before researching it, but I researched it because I was like, I want to make sure I got this. I, um, you gave us a quote ahead of time, which we talk about in the book. You gave us a quote. You gave us something that guided us. Um, You gave us time to think about it. We had enough time. You did not just let us come in here and um, say, here's the quote. Good luck. No, we had time to think about it. We had time to process it. And then I dug for information because I wanted to make sure that I could do what I needed to do and be able to respond um, effectively. And then from there, then we are asking these questions and we're giving each other time to talk about this. And Joe knows where I'm going with this. And you have the option with this conversation that if I really don't want to comment, I can sit back and mute and say, I've done my research. I've talked about it. I've turned this into my teacher, but I'm not really feeling like I want to express my opinions here. And so that I so eloquently pointed out, is a strategy that we have in the book that I use with my students that now I'm gonna add this to with that strategy um, to allow them to see that how, how you go through those conversations and how you allow students to be able to do this. You give them so much that they can't back out of it or if they choose to back out, they still have learned from the conversation.
1: So, I think you put a lot on the table there. And you're referencing this great information, this great setup that Dan and Steve gave us. Is there an easy way to remember all of what you just, could you sum up that, that last paragraph or two in one word? How would you sum that up in one word to, so teachers can remember?
2: So I call it the guide strategy. Um, I personalized it myself, I call it the guide strategy, to guide you, to guide my students to be able to respond to conversations we had, to guide my students in being able to write and respond, because I would have un, um, unresearched responses, and I had to let them know that scholars researched, smart people researched, we looked at different things before we talked. Well, what is what
1: does guide stand for? If you're saying Dan and Steve set us up for guide, what is yes. guide?
2: So in the guide method, we give our students a guiding question or in this situation, a quote. I'll give Dan and Steve the quote because I like this. Then we so give them the letter. That's the G. Then for the U, we do uninterrupted think time. We allow them that time to think about what we presented in front of them. Um, We allow them that time to really think about the guiding question. They can ask clarifying questions. They can um, talk to a neighbor. They can do all these things to really prepare themselves. That's the you. The I is we provide information for them. in this particular situation, we're scholars, we're intellectual people, we were able to dig it up. But for our students, I would most definitely not send them on a wild goose chase on the internet in search. Who knows what can pop up. So I've always provided a board of information for my students so that they were able to be able to have educated conversations, whether it was a, a counterclaim or agreeing with the same as all sides. We're going to make sure that you see all sides, which probably sometimes is not um, a good aspect. So Um, But we did do that. And then the D is dedicated question and answer time. Once again, allowing kids that opportunity to ask questions about what they see, what they've read, Um, annotating. It's all these things mixed in there. And Working the room. And then the last part is I've always allowed kids the exit opportunity because if they've done all these other parts, then if I need a grade, I've already got a grade. They have literally done all these things, but as they've gone through this, they have that opportunity to exit out. Like they can say, this is too much for me right now, but they've done all these things. And I've never really had a kid that exit out just because they didn't want to. It was really like, "Miss Pini, this is a hot topic. Can I just sit back and take notes? Of course you can. That's fine because Joe talks about this a lot. I'm still building a set. You're still getting the content and information. And that doesn't mean you have to sit here and have that conversation. And so that's the guide strategy that I never realized was a good strategy to writing this book.
1: (laughs) I love it. It's great. So Steve, congrats to Steve and Dan. There's our second infomercial. If you need more information, you'll have to get the book. But that's for listeners, like Steve and Dan – set us up with that. I don't think that they necessarily thought all that through, but they're great practitioners. So we got all that information ahead of time and the thinking and you got that stuff. So they set us up for success. That's why the podcast works so well because they don't surprise their guests. They uh, guide us along the way. So thank you, Dan and Steve, for following the guide method. I love it. I guess it's intuitive, love it. right? All
0: right. Well, I think that this is a, a good good natural natural end to the the conversation we got to end with a a question or two does anybody have one that has organically been created from this this conversation that you would leave your students with or yourself with
1: as the order of this matter if a society says right, here's what we need to accomplish and justice is one of them, whether or not it's first or not. Societies are very deep, layered, complex living organisms. It is not a, a, a paint by number. I and mean, I think that's one of the things we, we do poorly in social studies is this very linear cause and effect. And I think when you get into it, A kind of cause B, but also because D E F G H C, like all of these other things were happening, and so I would ask: Is the 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 order really important, or is it about a society understanding? It's re- there. There's the question: Is the does the order matter? Or is it about a society understanding what it owes its citizens?
3: I I like that. Almost as if you've personified society, which makes sense. It's full of people. But what does it owe its citizens? And I really like this question a lot. Because the one I was going to ask was, do you need injustice to have justice? But I'm going to take your question, Joe, and say that your question is bigger because, you know, if it's a question of what the society owes its citizens and the society has had injustice in its history, that's going to paint the picture of what it owes later and that accommodates for injustice, if that makes sense. So I, I really I really like that a lot. Thank you.
1: you want me to come back on a future I, episode and we can do the points, <laughs> counterpoints to my quote Joe Schmidt, 2022, said? What do you think he meant by this? <laughs> we need to point counterpoints.
0: You'll be the next quote, Joe. You'll be the, the starting point. My question would be, what is justice? Because I think we've we're we're assuming it means something because of the context of wendell phillips but i bet you you pull 20 kids in your class and they're going to have a very very different conception of what justice is some are going to say the only thing that justice is is your equality of opportunity Take take it, it it's not a quality of result It's a quality of opportunity, so I I would go with what is justice and leave them confused in a good way they you know in an important way the to see the complexity of language like this.
2: I like that one Dan. I like what it's just because then it almost gets them like really defining that concept of what it is and what it looks like my question would be how does societal beliefs influence justice. So how does the society we come from and where we, what our backgrounds influence what justice looks like? Because then that would piggyback off what Steve said, is there unjust and just, or is it just by itself? And then it would also piggyback on what Joe's idea is. Is that idea, is that something we owe to our society? Or is that something that we have personified at this level that we need to reach? That's great.
1: I thought I thought the clearest line was back to Dan. The one quote you didn't message goes right back to because what is what is justice? Well, if you look at if one society says this is justice, there's a lot of other societies are going to go. No way. But, you know, what portion of that society would need to say no, we're good with this. Like this uh, in our culture, in who we are, in our background, in our hit, and whatever, however they define. Um, so I, I felt like that was the intersection you were going to go to because that definition of justice really depends on who's sitting there figuring it out. And maybe that then goes back to all the other ones, right? That the kids, because then is it who's in power? Is it, you know, 51% majority? Is it long term norms? I think we have a lot of built-in societal norms across many societies that some people would say is uh, lead to injustice. Um, This is why, Michelle, this is why I invited you. This is so much fun. Like we're 50 minutes in now and I'm like, okay, I'm ready for another 50 minutes because now I really am ready to start talking about this because now I'm super pumped. But what I just told my methods kids last week is when you get to the point where everybody's hands up, everybody's super engaged, that's when you have to let them go, because if you let the the curiosity die, then you transition out of a quiet classroom. So I'm guessing, Michelle, they're going to tell us our time is up. Yes. Since we're super excited now. I know, right? (laughs) Before, before though, Dan,
3: before you end it, I have got to put a plug in for, it's not even my book, it's Plato's Republic. The fifth most read book of all time tackled the question, what mm-hmm. is justice? And Socrates, got he got out of it. They, 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 they asked him what his definition was. And he was, of course, pointing out to everyone else the problem with their definition. No, it's mm-hmm. not giving back what you owe. No, might does not make right. He obliterates everybody's um, definition. Then he says, okay, I need 280 pages to describe my own definition of justice. I'm going to paint a picture of a future society. And this is what it looks like. And this is what happens. And this is who lives in it. So anyway, uh, Dan, your question has been
0: asked before. And there's so many answers, which is what's so great about it. All right, well, thank you. This has been really a great conversation with you guys. It has been invigorating and uh, we asked some really good questions at the end and and talked about some really important ideas here they really really are and we cannot be afraid to challenge kids with big ideas if we have to water down the words a little bit that's okay but they can handle these big ideas and so we have to as teachers have to have the courage to present them to to these students because you got to believe in them and uh thanks for for being here and again the the book civil discourse classroom conversations for stronger communities um get it as soon as possible <laughs> all right thanks, well, thank you everybody thank you guys so much and have a have a wonderful evening thanks everybody we hope you're walking away feeling energized by some great ideas and are confident that conversations like this are possible with just a little bit of planning and a three-step method. Make sure you go to teachdifferent.com to learn more and check out our library of conversation plans where we've compiled dozens of quotes, each with their own claim, counterclaim, and essential question. Good luck and don't forget to teach different with conversations and make a difference every day.